0: Now, if you're like me and Garfield, the cat, then you're not happy that it's Monday, but alas, it is Monday. And on today's Locked On Blue Jay podcast episode, we take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly from what we saw from the Toronto Blue Jays this past weekend. That's in the first segment. We'll get set for the three-game series in LA versus the Unfuego LA Dodgers in the second segment. And in our third and final segment today, we'll get set for tonight's pitching matchup and we'll take a look as Michael Grove takes on the 2023 rejuvenated Jose Barrios. You are locked on Blue Jays. Your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello friends, Craig Ballard Locked On Blue Jays. First season hosting the Locked On Blue Jay podcast, but in my own life, I've been locked on the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm going to say from birth. Toronto Blue Jay baseball a big deal for me. It's a big deal for my family as well. So certainly thank you for spending part of your day talking Toronto Blue Jay baseball with me. I want to remind you that the Locked On Blue Jay podcast, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and of course, all of the Blue Jay games this season can are available for you to take in on SiriusXM. The Locked On Blue Jay podcast, I'm so thrilled, I'm downright proud to say it's the only daily Blue Jay podcast there is. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, drop by Talk Toronto Blue Jay Baseball with me. If you're taking in today's episode on the Locked On Blue Jay podcast YouTube page, hello and thank you for that. And to the everyday making the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast your first podcast listen every day. Hello and thank you for that. Toronto Blue Jay has got just one game, just one win. And we're lucky to salvage that one win right over the weekend in Seattle. Let's get into some good, some bad, and some ugly from what we saw. Start, of course, with the good. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., slim daddy Vladdy. Just three for 12. I mean, not great, but two of those three hits were home runs. If you have a series where you hit multiple home runs, you're going to land in my good category. So well done, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Same thing can be said for Brandon Belt. Just two for eight. So on the surface... You're excited about that, Craig? Well, both hits left the ballpark. Both hits were home runs. Yes, one was assisted by our old friend Teoscar Hernandez. And Teo will have nightmares about that one. First of all, he honestly, he should have had it. Timed it perfectly. It was the per- – you, you, you couldn't drop it. If you were just playing – if you had a buddy standing on the warning track just tossing those and you were trying to, you know, rob the home runs, rob the home runs, you, you you couldn't even place it better than that. It was tailor-made for a robbery. He timed it perfectly as well. Just couldn't complete the catch. Ends up dropping it and, and over. Over the fence for a home run so thank you for that tail and it was in a one run blue jay victory right so a massive massive blunder for tail but we're certainly going to take it and brandon belt's certainly going to take it it counts right it counts so brandon belt just like Flad, a pair of home runs over this weekend matt chapman four for 12 over the weekend now yes one of those four hits was a gift double on sunday as julio rodriguez lost the ball in the sun but for me I feel like this is one of those under the category where, you know, and things work, work themselves out in, in the wash. You know that old saying, it works itself out in the wash. That's what I feel like has happened here because, I mean, that hit really makes up for the times where he stung the ball but right at somebody, right? So it was a gift double, but it still counts, and I'm still putting Matt Chapman in the good category for this weekend. How about Kevin Biggio? How about Kevin Biggio? Three for six in this series. Over the last month, Kevin Biggio is hitting 308 with a 386 on base percentage. How about it? How about it? I mean, that's either going to be really good for the Toronto Blue Jays going forward or those sort of numbers are going to uh, going to land Kevin Biggio on other teams' radars for a nice trade piece, right? Potentially, at least for the Blue Jays in the next uh, week or so. Now, how is Kevin Biggio three for six and the hottest hitter on the team and not in the lineup on Sunday? Well, that's, we're getting to the bad category. We're getting, That's John Schneider, right? We're, we're, we're getting to John Schneider. Kevin Kiermaier. Kiermaier only had six at-bats in this series, but I still have him in the good category. Two for six with a home run. Yeah, I thought Kevin Kiermaier was good this weekend. How about some pitchers? Now, between Yusei Kakuchi and Kevin Gosman, you get 11 and one-third innings pitched, only four runs allowed. Now, all four of those runs were on home runs that Kevin Gosman allowed. He allowed four solo home runs, and nine times out of 10, you're allowing four solo home runs. You're not going to be in the good category. You'd be either in the bad or the ugly category, but... For Gosman and Kikuchi, the fact that they combined for 17 strikeouts and just one walk, I've still got them in the good category. And some of those home runs that Gosman gave up, we're going to kind of give him a bit of a pass here because he he was rusty. The miles per hour, his, his velocity was down. Even after the game, he said, boy, oh, boy, really fatigued out there. Just wasn't myself because he'd he been off for so long at this point, not just the all-star break. Remember, Kevin Gosman took the all-star break off on purpose to get some rest. I wouldn't say it backfired, but, but things... Uh, you know didn't really work out as planned because then he had to miss his next start anyway when he woke up uh, uh, with that injury that one uh, was at the last saturday and chris bassett had to step in for him there so it's been a while since gosman has been on the mound so a little rusty fine but ultimately he had nine strikeouts in that game and no walks i'm going to say that's good i'm going to say that's good the four home runs we kind of see the reason for the four home runs how about Alec Manoa? How about the big Puma? Wow, I thought his slider was really encouraging on Sunday. It felt like Manoa generated more swings and misses from his slider on Sunday than he has combined all season long. Now, of course, that can't possibly be the case, right? That can't possibly be an actual fact. But it just from from a mind's eye standpoint, it felt like it. I felt like he was way more effective. Now with that pitch you know was i was i uh, was i pleased with his control and his command how could you be how could you be no no but overall i thought it was one of his better starts and the reason i have manoa in the good category here is cuz for the first time this season at least one of the first times this season it felt like alec manoa alec manoa i mean even that little mini stare down he had with julio rodriguez just for whatever it was, you know, the, the little things he was doing, it felt like Alec Manoa, Alec Manoa on the mound on Sunday for the Toronto Blue Jays. How about the bad category? Well, John Schneider has, has built camp. He is, he is firmly entrenched in the bad category. Uh, I, I never agree with his lineup construction. I never agree with his in-game decisions. Even Buck, let's put it this way, even Buck Martinez this past weekend had criticism for John Schneider, and it was for a lack of strategy. You never hear Buck Martinez be critical of Blue Jays, in particular managers. He had criticism for John Schneider over this past weekend. Now, it's only a half-hour pod, so I don't have time to get into every game's blunders. But, I mean, you watched the games this weekend as well. I have to think that you walked away not happy with John Schneider this past weekend either. Speaking of setting up camp in the bad category, well, there's Dalton Varshow again. There's Dalton Varshow again. Two for 11 on the weekend. Dalton Show is on my last nerve. Now, we have major Dalton, you know, major glass half full coming up for Dalton Show in our third segment here today. But Dalton Varshow at the plate is on my last nerve. Whit Merrifield. I've got Whit Merrifield in the bad category. He had two hits this weekend. Two hit Whit is supposed to pertain to him getting, it's supposed to refer to him getting two hits every game, not two hits for an entire weekend series. Had just seven at-bats. He got to walk in there as well, but just two for seven. But Whit Merrifield, three strikeouts over the weekend. Whit Merrifield, more strikeouts than hits? That is not very Whit Merrifield-like. That goes in the bad category. Also in the bad category, the fact that the Toronto Blue Jays were winning Friday and Saturday by multiple runs Heading into the seventh inning stretch, but the Mariners dominated the end of Friday's game to win. The Mariners dominated the end of Saturday's game to win. Almost did it again on Sunday, right? If they'd done that again on Sunday, I think you'd be looking like me. You'd be pulling out the hair. You'd you be as bold as as I am. Now, bold is beautiful, but if you don't have to be bold, of course, <laughs> you don't need to be, right? Jimmy Garcia, I've got him in the bad category here. Jimmy, Jimmy Garcia has been really good. He's been downright stellar lately, but he pitched in two of the games over the weekend. Allowed a run in each of those games, and the Blue Jays lost by one run in each of those games. So Jimmy Garcia in the bad category. I've got Jordan Romano in the bad category from what we saw this past weekend. Again, bad in a non-situation. His ERA is double in non-save situations, what it is in safe situations. Yes, of course, I'm pointing the finger at John Schneider. Why is he putting, you know, he's not doing it, Schneider not doing a good job, again, of setting his players up for success. But I would still like to see better uh, a better a performance from, from, from uh, Jordan Romano, better execution from Jordan Romano, regardless of the situation. And even though he ultimately did get the save on Sunday and along the way in that was a massive strikeout of Julio Rodriguez with the tying run on third and one out, but... Why was that tying run on third because of Romano's blunders? And eventually and and the next batter, the the winning run would be at second. So my goodness, that was way too dicey. There was that was not the dictionary definition of a clean save for Jordan Romano on Sunday. So overall, I've got him in the bad category. Now we get to the ugly. Oh boy. George Springer. Oh, my goodness. George Springer was UGLY this past weekend. One for 11. He left a trillion men on base. I mean, I was just really upset with George Springer this past weekend. He's been really good for going on like two months now this past weekend. Wow. Really, really ugly. Speaking of really ugly, what the heck is happening with Bo Bichette? Bo Bichette was 0 for 14 in this series. Pardon He's in an 0 for 17 stretch right now. It's the worst stretch of his entire career. Boba two seasons in a row, led the league in hitting. Going to do it again this season. Was having a, an incredible season. Was having an incredible season. 0 for 7, worst stretch of his career over this past weekend. Boba lost 13 points off of his batting average. Holy moly, Boba please get that turned around. Boba please get that turned around. How about the catchers? Now, yeah, I have the catchers in the ugly category, despite the fact that Alejandro Kirk went four for seven and Danny Jansen hit a home run, but it's going in the ugly category because I'm concerned. Let's let's see what happens. It's great news that the x-rays on Danny Jansen's wrist uh, arm there came back negative for any break or fracture, but I'm still very concerned. That's why it's going in the ugly category. I'm still very concerned. Have to hope that Danny Jansen is going to be okay and not miss any playing time. The live, when he got hit live, I thought that at least some, to be honest with you, I thought a good deal of the sound we heard was the ball hitting the bat. Some sort of ricochet, you know, getting a lot of the bat. Then you saw the replay. It hit Danny Jansen's wrist flush. That loud cracking sound, that loud that I thought was the ball hitting the bat, that was all Danny Jansen's bone. My goodness. Have to hope he's going to be okay. He's so important to this team. And finally, in the ugly category, we'll finish it off with the fact that Nate Pearson opened the weekend as a Toronto Blue Jay, closed the weekend as a Buffalo Bison. Speaking of players who, and I'm, we were talking about Bijou earlier, could he be a trade candidate? I, I can't. I don't have an. I don't have the guts here to, to to full out predict that the Blue Jays are about to trade Nate Pearson. But I am not. I'm in the scenario right. now, I'm in the position right now where I am leaning there. I'm not going to be surprised at all you know, when when you look around, I've been racking my brain here, you know, what assets in the Blue Jays organization could other teams be interested in for some really nice trades for the Blue Jays at the trade deadline? Because of course, we don't want to part with Ricky Tiedemann. I mean, I mean, hard pass on that. What, what else could, could players or could other teams be interested in? You hope they see something they can they can turn around with Santiago Espinal. You hope they see Espinal as an asset. You hope they see a Kevin Bijou as an asset. Well, I think just because of Nate Pearson's stuff, I think that Blue Jays at this point are going to hope that other teams see Nate Pearson as a return asset to make some sort of trade, especially with Chad Green right around the corner from returning for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, Coming up on the Locked on Blue Jay podcast, we're going to get set for this three-game series starting tonight in La La Land as the Blue Jays battle the on-fire LA Dodgers. Those games, of course, are going to be available for you on XM. But first, I wanted to ask if you wanted a chance to win more money with less picks Well, then head to sleeper sleeper. You can win up to 100 times your money, which is two or more fantasy baseball picks Sleeper is a fantasy sports plus real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world. Over 5 million active users in 2022 alone while earning some of the highest levels of engagement per user in the industry said sleeper. It's not just about sports. It's about building personal connections and lasting memories. On Sleeper, you can swing for the fences with up to 100 time payouts. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get the picks right and you could win big. Swing for the fences with promo code LOCKEDON at sign up and you'll get a deposit match up to $100. Check out Sleeper today the los angeles dodgers are sitting there with a very nifty 57 and 41 record 29 and 16 at home my goodness would you believe so we looked the other day at how the blue jays have played fewer games against the san diego padres than any other organization well the fewest wins that's against the la dodgers 7 and 14 all time they've only played the dodgers 21 times in franchise history they've only won seven of those games the last time the Toronto Blue Jays had a win against the LA Dodgers was May sixth, twenty sixteen. Kevin Plaweck hits a three run home run in the bottom of the eighth to break a two two tie to make a winner of Gavin Floyd. Drew Storn would get the save, and earlier in that game, soon to be level of excellence Toronto Blue Jay member Jose Bautista homered in that in, in that one as well. And the last time in this ballpark at Dodger Stadium that the Blue Jays had a victory was all the way back June 10th, 2007. Pardon? Yeah, 2007. 11-5 Blue Jays victory. Troy Gloss hit a pair of home runs in that game to back a Roy Halladay victory. And the game was finished by Jordan DeJong. I mean, he only pitched six games ever for the Toronto Blue Jays. So we're talking... I mean, we're talking, and we're we're in the way back machine at this point, right? In Toronto Blue Jay baseball franchise history, there's just not a lot of action between these two franchises. Blue Jays have a significantly better batting average than the Dodgers. They have way more hits than the Dodgers, but the Dodgers have well over 100, not over 100, well over 100 runs more, sorry, 100 more runs scored this season than the Toronto Blue Jays. Holy moly. The Dodgers have hit. 50 home runs more than the Toronto Blue Jays have so far this season. Wow. The Dodgers have four players in the twenties for home runs. My goodness. My goodness, a different animal than what the Blue Jays pitching just saw in Seattle here on the season. Only Texas has scored more runs than the Dodgers. Only Atlanta has hit more home runs than the Dodgers. Now, only a handful of teams have stolen fewer bases. So that aspect of the game, we're not going to have to worry about in this series. But the long ball, the, the the pop that the LA Dodgers bring to the plate is real. Again, 29 and 16 at home, one of the best home records in all of baseball. They've won seven of their last nine games played at Dodger Stadium and overall have won 13 of their last 18 games. Now, one thing that I really love for the Toronto Blue Jays here and every day Dares we'll know how often have we deep dive the schedule for the Blue Jays this season. And it has constantly been an issue for the Toronto Blue Jays. They're constantly playing scenarios where they're up against it because of how difficult the schedule is. Well, here's a break for the Toronto Blue Jays. No, they don't have an off day as they travel from Seattle to L.A. for the series. True. But for the Dodgers, this is the first game home out of the All-Star break. They're also... They also had to fly to L.A. from, from Texas. The Dodgers had a nine-game road trip as they came out of the all-star break. Now, they it, it didn't trip them up. They went six and three. They took two out of three at the Mets. They took two out of three at Baltimore. And they took two out of three in Texas. And in all three of those series, they took the first two games. So they had a chance to sweep all three times. So they, they were... They were jumping on teams. They were jumping on teams right away in these series. So the Blue Jays do need to be wary of that. But from from an effort standpoint, I mean, how much energy could the Dodgers possibly have? We see this in sports all the time when teams coming back off of a, a long road trip, that first game back at home, there's some fatigue setting in, not nearly as sharp. So hopefully from a schedule standpoint, it's a major break tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, in our third and final segment, let's get set for tonight's pitching matchup as the rejuvenated Jose Barrios. Are we loving Jose Barrios in 2023 or what? He's on the mound versus rookie right-hander for the Dodgers, Michael Grove. Jose Barrios, eight and seven, three point three seven ERA. That was the worst ERA in the league last season. He's at 3.37 this season. My goodness. Barrios, I mean, and let's, let's remember he was awful in his first two starts of 2023, like, like 2022, Jose Barrios, awful in those first two starts. But in the 15 starts since then, Blue Jays are 10 and five. And in those losses and in those five losses, in one of those games, they scored one run and in three, they were shut out. So basically with Barrios on the mound, if the offense does anything, the Blue Jays win that game. In fact... I say the Blue Jays on a 10 and 5 run with Barrios on the mound. Well, the last three times they've lost with Jose Barrios on the mound, the offense has been shut out. We we talk a lot about how the offense has really let Kevin Gosman down time and time again. Well, we're gonna to have to start acknowledging that it's let Jose Barrios down time and time again as well. Jose Barrios has pitched here, he has pitched at Dodger Stadium once before. It did not go well, but I mean, this season, uh, he's really turned things around, right? Pitching pretty well on the road this season. He's been stellar at home, but he's been pretty good on the road as well. Opponents hitting two forty-two versus Jose Barrios on the mound, and he himself is, has a 4-4 four and four record with a 3.84 ERA on the mound. Now, definite glass half full, and again, really speaking to how hot the Blue Jays have, have gotten with Barrios on the mound, they've actually won six of his last seven road starts. So a lot of things point to a Toronto Blue Jay victory tonight, right? Now, ironically, a Jose Barrios road start was the Blue Jays' best game of the season, while another Jose Barrios road start was likely the Blue Jays' worst game of the season. That best game... That twenty to one beatdown at Tampa Bay, right? That was one of the one of my favorite games of all time. I know it's I know "funnest" isn't a word, but that was one of the funnest Blue Jay game. Or I don't think it's a word anyway. It doesn't sound like it should be, but you get what I'm saying. And if you remember that game, you remember why I'm so giddy about that game. Twenty to one at Tampa Bay, the house of horrors for the Toronto Blue Jays. Although that's quickly becoming T-Mobile Park in Seattle, right? I know, but twenty to one. I mean, that was the on the road. How awesome was that? And their worst game of the season likely was also a Barrios road start. You remember that one at Miami against the Marlins where they got dropped 11 to nothing? So really, I mean, some some extremes there, right, with Jose Barrios on the mound. Now, current Dodgers, got to say, they've hit Barrios pretty well in their career. Now, the the definite... Uh, matchups to keep an eye on tonight jd martinez and mookie Betts. now both of them from their playing days with the boston red sox they've got a lot of experience against jose barrios and have done very well against jose barrios they're combined 16 for 42 that's a 381 uh, batting average they've got a 447 on base percentage against jose barrios wow (laughs) wow now on the other side of the coin Let's watch the matchups or or let's, let's be excited about the matchups for Barrios tonight against the Dodgers left fielder David Peralta and the shortstop Miguel Rojas as those two are combined just one for ten against Jose Barrios. Michael Grove, fellow righty, but, I mean, Barrios is that grizzled veteran. Michael Grove is brand new to baseball. He's making – this is just his 13th game. It's just his 10th ever start. Two and two on the season, 6.40 ERA. With the trade deadline approaching, even Grove has acknowledged that his time on the big league level, I mean, this season at least, seems likely to be coming to an end very soon with the trade deadline coming as rotation upgrades coming for the LA Dodgers. That's surely the sort of things we're going to see for them at the trade deadline. Now, as a starter, Michael Grove is a strikeout per innings pitch guy, thanks to a very good slider that he has. But the fastball and the curveball has been hammered. In particular, that fastball, boy, that's the pitch that the Toronto Blue Jays need to look to do damage against tonight. Grove has been missing his spots with his fastball and his secondary pitches like the curve. And when he's been missing, he's been missing right down the middle. Missing with your location of your fastball right down the middle, missing with the location of your secondary pitches right down the middle. My goodness, he's 2022 Jose Barrios. Michael Grove is 2022 Jose Barrios, and the Blue Jays need to take advantage tonight. Now, truth be told, Grove has been much better at home than on the road, but way more home runs allowed at home. I believe he's allowed nine home runs this season. Eight of those nine have come at Dodger Stadium. Now this is big here. What we're about to talk about here, this is big. This is as glass half full as we've had in 2023 in the Locked On Blue Jay podcast. Every day or no, every single game we take a look at the pitching matchup, we deep dive it, and part of that is we're constantly looking to see how that pitcher is against Dalton Varshow. You know, is is could this pitcher be the cure for what ails Dalton Varshow? Could this pitcher, this ballpark, could could there be something in play here in this game coming up that's going to kickstart? Dalton Varshow is very dormant bat. Well, have we ever come across something here? Now, I'm just going to be honest because there is some glass half empty here. It's not the stadium. Dalton Varshow has been a nightmare at Dodger Stadium. Eight for 60 in his career in this ballpark. That's a 133 batting average, 421 OPS. I'm not even sure I knew that an OPS could go that low. Eight for 60. There's 23 strikeouts in there. Holy Moly, three times as many strikeouts as hit in this stadium. So the glass half full is not coming for Dalton Varshow has nothing to do with the ballpark. But what about this pitching matchup tonight? What about who's on the mound? September 14th of last season, September 14th, 2022, at Chase Field in Arizona, Dalton Varshow hits a first inning home run off of Michael Grove. A week later, in this ballpark, at Dodger Stadium, Dalton Varsho hits a third inning home run off of Michael Grove. All told, Varsho is three for five against Grove with a pair of home runs. Dalton Varsho, this would be the first plane ride where he was looking forward to the next series. All day on Monday, he would have had a great breakfast. All day, he'll be looking forward to this game. He'll be going to the ballpark for the first time all season. At least it would be rare a rare time this season with all kinds of confidence. He knows he sees Michael Grove very well. He knows he hits Michael Grove very well. So my goodness, if there was a game where we we're going to see Dalton Varshow's bat kick-started, you know, if there's a pitcher who has the cure for what else Dalton Varshow, my goodness, it's got to be Michael Grove. Dalton Varshow, looking right at you, big fella. Need to have a big game tonight that's a wrap for monday's locked on blue jays podcast episode reminder that tonight's blue jays at dodgers tilt is available on SiriusXM, xm and reminder that the locked on blue jay podcast is your only daily blue jay podcast so check back in every day this week for toronto blue jay conversations Tomorrow, we'll get you set for Chris Bassett versus Julio Urias. Plus, it is Trivia Tuesday, and with a pair of former Toronto Blue Jays, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland, congratulations to both of them, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame this past weekend. The trivia questions this week will revolve around them. For now, keep it locked on the Locked On Podcast Network and check out Sully hosting Locked On MLB. Go Jays go, and we'll talk tomorrow.